Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome into today's episode of the Top Cut Yu-Gi-Oh! podcast. My name is Sunny. I am your host, and I'm here with my co-host. You know, I had one, but I I forgot it. Giant Scott, <laughs> how are you doing, bud? You know, uh, I am good. Uh, it is uh, very nice to be called by my own name. Uh, and um, may I say, uh, it is beautiful to see your smiling face. Uh, but <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> it is... It, it's wonderful to be back. It really is. Um... So, uh, yeah, you know, when we started the recording, I did not even think about actually, like, t- like I forgot that I was gone for a week and a half. It just, like, didn't even register in my head because the second I got, like, onto the computer and started getting all, like, the camera stuff and getting everything set up on the new setup, it was, like, mm-hmm. like immediately right back to, like, the good old days. Um, it was like just right back into rhythm like I never missed a beat but uh, so for those that are wondering where I was uh, I'm pretty comfortable talking about it uh, basically about a week and a half ago before the the first episode that I missed uh, like a couple of days before that uh, I'm not going to say I had like a mental breakdown but that's pretty much what it was I guess uh, essentially I I was just like stretching myself way too thin. Uh, I had a lot, a lot of different things I that I do on a day to day basis, like working full time, wife and son, podcast, just trying to lead a normal life of also having like friends and a social life on top of all of that, and just just everything together, and not getting a break for like months on end sometimes. Uh, even though I haven't been going to tournaments and I haven't been playing Yu-Gi-Oh competitively like I want to, um, more or less that compounded with some other like personal things I have going on like in my head has resulted in me just basically like I just I got to the end of my rope and I was just like I I can't I just need like one less thing on my plate for like a week week and a half so um and but I took some time off essentially to uh prevent prevent excessive burnout and just like recharge and get like adequate amounts of sleep 
Yep. So uh, adequate amounts of sleep is is huge, and uh, and we uh, we survived while you were gone, and we will always survive when you need to take a break. Uh, we had uh, a couple of very kind messages come through on Patreon, uh, very as, kind, as well as way, as well as people reaching out through Discord and Twitter. Uh, had people also uh, reach out to offer like assistance podcast wise or anybody else to just or just to like make sure things were going okay so very much from the bottom of our hearts thank you all for for sticking with us and uh we'll keep rocking out yeah um so part of the things that i want to discuss today and address and i meant to tell skyhawk that i wanted to talk about this in advance uh and i forgot <laughs> so, I'm, I'm about to be blindsided hit me with it yeah you are actually because I, I didn't discuss this with you at all which is out of the norm uh so the, we will be i've been doing a lot of like soul searching and a lot of thinking um just to be quite honest the ridiculous schedule that we keep and the like ridiculous amount of work that we put into this is one of the reasons that Caleb got burnt out, right? It's one of the reasons that Caleb's not here anymore. And I, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I feel like I'm partially to blame for that. I don't know that I am. Uh, I've talked to Caleb pretty extensively about this and, you know, there was a lot more to it than just we upload a lot and we're very busy. But um, there was a lot more to it than that. But, you know, I, I can't help but feel a little bit, you know, uh, I cannot help myself but to feel uh, at least partially to blame because of the schedule that when I came up with the concept for the podcast, the, this schedule was the concept. The schedule was a big part of it because for what I wanted when I conceptualized the podcast, what I wanted was regular uploads because that's something that no other podcast had. So I didn't want to miss uploads. I didn't want to take, you know, time off and things like that. And then when it was just the two of us, you know, it's very hard to maintain that schedule because basically if either one of us misses, then you miss episodes and missing episodes was like a big fear of mine. But when it was just me and Caleb, it was hard for us to miss an episode without like it was hard for one of us to individually miss the episode without the episode just being gone altogether. So because we were recording in person, but now that we're recording remote with me and Skyhawk, uh, it makes it a little bit easier if one of us needs to miss because we can get a guest or the other thing that me and Caleb always wanted to do, but never really seriously considered was having a third host of the podcast. So we, now that again now that we're remote that's something we can really consider and really try to potentially work towards is having a third person be a regular host with us i some of my favorite podcasts are done with three people on the regular i think that it works well from a standpoint of okay well you know we have lots of good discussions we have lots of things that we want to talk about and having that to bounce things off of you know i might say one thing scott might disagree with me but having a third person to bounce things off of i think is a good idea so while we don't have a set in stone person that we think is going to be like the guaranteed this is our third person they will be here every episode we have a couple of people that we want to we've talked to and we want to kind of 
test the waters a little bit. So in the coming weeks and the coming months, you might see us have people on for several episodes at a time. What we're currently doing is we are testing schedules out and testing things out for a potential third person to be a regular every episode person. Um, I don't want to go into names. I don't want to go into particular details on any of that yet because we don't have any particular things finalized with people. But um, I do want people to understand that that is in the works. Keep your and eyes, a big part, I would say the biggest part of us adding a third person is to take the pressure off because Caleb got burnout. I got burnout, essentially. I've had burnout before and I just kept working. And this time it was bad enough to where more or less it caused a breakdown. And I don't want that to happen again to myself. I don't want that to happen to you, Skyhawk. And I don't want that to happen to whoever the third person is. So part of this is by adding a third person, we give ourselves the ability to take a week or two weeks off and the podcast not lose a step. Uh, and part of it is just you get better content. So, uh, you know, I hope that this is something that the listeners like and understand because I think that it does nothing but make the podcast better, more consistent, and gives us a chance to take mental health breaks when we need it. And it is something that is very necessary. So, you know, uh, yeah, tell me what you think. I think that all makes wonderful sense. Like, uh, share the workload is good, but also there's no downside to having more ideas. I think some of our best episodes are when we have a third person to talk to anyway. So I have, sure. uh, I have no objections. If, uh, if you have any feedback as listeners over through that process, message us, leave a comment, post on the, on the Patreon whenever I post the early episodes. Uh, yeah. leave us a, leave us a, a little chat in the Discord with the suggestions. Uh, definitely the goal is to make it as good for everybody listening as it can possibly be. So that is, that's where everything comes from ultimately. Yeah. And in the discord, we have places specifically for podcast discussion, as well as suggestions for the podcast, as well as mailbag questions, ruling questions, dual rooms, a marketplace, you know, so be sure to join the discord. Um, and, how uh, far in are we? How many minutes are we in? Do you know? Uh, I can find out for you. Yeah, uh, let me know are... how far I went into this episode before thanking our sponsors. We're just about at 10 minutes, so if you wanted cool. to thank some sponsors, now would be the time. Yeah, so of course, uh, now that we're 10 <laughs> minutes in, uh, I do want to take just a moment <laughs> to thank all of our wonderful sponsors. So, of course, a huge thank you to Tier Zero Games, who I believe still has their Rarity Collection pre-sales up. So if you want to go ahead and try to get your stuff for the Rarity Collection, and I believe also they are, might even still be doing their big blowout sale, maybe, it's, potentially. It's, it's still on. It's still on. Well, it's still on as of Sunday night, but yeah, when this episode goes up on Tuesday, you should still go look and see. And our discount code TopCut5 stacks on top of the discounts for the big blowout sale. And yeah. so that, and you can I, get your rarity collection pre-orders. It's big. I didn't, I did not pull the trigger. I was really heavily debating. Uh, there's a pretty inexpensive Portuguese Starlight Rare of uh, of the uh, the Evil Eye Link Three, so uh, 
the <laughs> I, I thought it would be funny i decided against it but you it's like there are a few cards that you probably will never be able to get as cheap again so at yes. least at least take a look uh, also, free ship, free international shipping on orders over 50 pounds. You can convert that to whatever currency you're in. U.S. is like 65 U.S. dollars, but free international shipping. So be sure to check them out. Again, Tier Zero Games, our code is TopCut5. We have also have a link down below, but be sure to type in that code TopCut5 at checkout. Also, be sure to check us out at Gem Accessories. TopCut Podcast 10, I believe, is the discount code there for 10% off. And of course, Grimoire Accessories, that is TopCut5 for 5% off again. Yep, Skyhop's holding the mat up there. It's wonderful, beautiful. Uh, they still actually have some of those colored mats available with the numbering on the back. So uh, if you want your etched and numbered Grimoire TCG mat, they still have some of those available. Of course, thank you, of course, to all of our patrons and, of course, Steel Fox and ETB Games. I think if I say, of course, one more time, somebody's going to come through and attack me. What is that? Oh, Dragon Shield. Also, yes. Uh, Skyhawk, you're going to have to explain this one because this happened while I was on break. I don't know yeah, what uh, is going on with Dragon Shield. Mostly it's it's uh, it's it's a little bit different now. So there is still an affiliate link and you can uh, click that link in the description and that helps support us too. But we do now have a discount code, code TOPCUT5, and that is 5% off your order for Dragon Shield. So if you need some of those uh, Mate Clear uh, Oversleeves, which is what I am now using to double sleeve, uh, definitely go and check that out. Yeah, uh, notably, if you... so. If you want to oversleeve with the clear dragon shields, do not get the Japanese sized clear oversleeves. Those are actually, they fit, but they are kind of snug for my taste. And I will say, if you're using like an official OCG sleeve or like the official Yu Gi Oh! Nationals sleeves, they are, and I'm not kidding, like one millimeter wider. Than a regular sleeve and like one millimeter taller. Perchance these, yeah, like uh, those master sleeves Kyogs holding up. If you're using official Yu-Gi-Oh, like actual product sleeves, I would definitely get just get magic clear clear magic sized sleeves for over sleeves because really they they are too snug and I don't want to damage my nice sleeves. So something to consider. But I think that's everything. I think we talked about all the important podcast updates as well as the sponsors. Uh, Skyhawk, I've been gone for a week and a half. Did I miss anything? Is there anything you want to add, whether that be about sponsors or about the actual podcast changes we may or may not have coming, but we're probably having coming. I, actually, they're starting in two weeks. Do you have anything you want to add? No, I think you have covered everything. Uh, the... It's not two weeks. It's a week. Oh, goodness. The... No, I think you have covered everything. Uh, okay. Our first episode with a potential third host is not this Friday, but next Friday. So be on the lookout. Woo. Um, Skyhawks, okay, so catch me up. What did you talk about on the last episode? Because there's some things that are happening in the game yep. that I do want to discuss before we get into the main topic, which is the rulings thing that we, I'm sure you saw in the title and thumbnail, but... Uh, catch me up. What's, what's the, going on? The, the translation of this is Sunny being like, I was sorting cards for a week and I don't know what happened in Yu-Gi-Oh. Please help me. Uh, yes. <laughs> do not worry. I am here to assist. I uh, know that Rescue Ace won YCS Indianapolis got first and second place. Yes. I not, know Triff got top four with Monodium. Uh, but... So not only not only did uh, did Rescue Ace win, uh, it was clearly the most dominant deck in top cut. Um, 
I believe it was like 30-ish percent of uh, top 32. Uh, might have been a little bit more than that. Uh, and all of them playing the Snake Eye engine uh, with some anywhere between one to three. Uh, and there were three different kind of builds that are happening. Well, really, there are four. <laughs> um, uh, but the one that won was doing the... Uh, was doing just the the um the regular stuff just the got it just the sp baron there's sp baron there's lists doing uh playing a small infernoble package with ricardetto uh and then there's the jet synchron builds which are ending on baron savage on top of the rescue ace uh back row and then there's the um uh, ibli lock ones which does what it does uh, <laughs> yay yeah um in terms of Love other that. in terms of other meta developments, there was actually a YCS this weekend. Um, that was at I, uh, uh, San Jose, right? Not San Jose. <laughs> no, San. <laughs> it's, I, think, I believe it was Sao Paulo. Uh, no, it wasn't, no, it wasn't Sao, Sao Paulo. Paulo. That was the team YCS. I, it to was be in honest, Bolivia. It was uh, San San Juan. Yeah, no. it was in Bolivia. You're right about that. I believe it was 257 players, uh, and it was won by Maconco. Uh, <laughs> Maconco on this YCS. Um, in terms of meta developments, just on like a grand scale, Unchained is still very Santa good. Santa Cruz. Santa Cruz. Um, Unchained is still very good, but it has fallen off some. Uh, it has a very bad tier limits matchup. Um, and the Diabell Star engine now makes the Unchained matchup not as bad for Rescue Ace. Uh, and specifically Rescue Ace has a good matchup against like a very wide chunk of the field and only very few bad matchups, which I think is why it did well at the first post Agov event. Uh, tier elements, um, heavily underperformed. I think everybody was very prepared for tier, and so it didn't do as much. Um, otherwise, it's a very diverse metagame. Uh, Sun Avalon, Rika top, Fluanderies topped, Labyrinth had a top, although it's mostly fallen off due to a bad tier and Rescue Ace matchup. And then... Um, uh, uh, Pearly, also second most tops at three. Uh, Monadium again is present. There were I think three Monadium players that topped. Uh, a Tribrigade Sprite deck topped, and uh, probably the most wild thing that happened at that event was uh, Runic Stun, uh, top thirty-two. Uh, I told you about this already. Uh, you are aware of the the Scrubbed Raid buyout. <laughs> yeah, I tried putting mine up for sale, but nobody's bought it yet. <laughs> I, I think maybe people have decided that they don't actually want to play Rudikstone. Uh So the last... the That's honestly about it in terms of news for the game Yu-Gi-Oh. Uh, there's been a lot of discourse, although you've been active. You've still been around on Twitter, so you've seen most of the discourse around the price of the game. We talked a bit about yes. that. And the last... I bit, listened to the Jeff Jones podcast, and I gotta say... I'm in hot take land with that. <laughs> I uh, I am halfway through that. I have more I need to listen to, so I'm going to finish it before I before I do any discussions. But that I I would love to talk to you about that sometime on or off the pod. Um, I'm just gonna say, Jeff Jones's take on Twitter was what he said on Twitter, in my opinion, was very 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 not representative of his actual full take on that. I think he actually had a lot more nuance to his take than uh, his Twitter post allowed him to be because of the limit of Twitter. But uh, um, I would like to point out he is not actually limited by that because he is a blue check. Uh, so he has as many characters as he wants. Yeah, but there are certain <laughs> things that are limited by the sheer 
like capabilities of text versus an actual conversation that's why i do a podcast and not a blog so yeah i have i have some disagreements but we can get into that uh, oh i also disagree with a lot of what he's saying but, but no, I, I agree that there's i think a there's a lot nuance. more nuance to his take than what we got off twitter i i completely agree with that um the the last bit maybe, maybe i'll have to invite him one not a bad idea uh the what's the bit uh, the last major thing, which you probably have kept a little bit aware of, is the rarity collection uh, causing havoc in the market and also just in the community as a whole. Uh, and it's funny that it's launching at the same time as we're having a discussion about the affordability of the game. Uh, because for this is probably one of the best tools since Dual Devastator that we have had to get people playing Yu-Gi-Oh! Uh, yes. And, and for people to catch up on staples that they have not had. Uh, Right, right now, pre-sales, the most expensive card at Super Rare Everything is, is $3. Like, Pot of Prosperities, I think, are going for 15 And everything else is cheaper than that. So, that is nice. And we get some of the OCG-style rarities, which is cool. Although, there are some differences. Uh, although, I will say, it, it seems like they, they nailed the Collector's Rare. Which was the thing that I think people were, were hoping they would get right. Uh, I have heard mixed opinions about the ultis. Uh, it seems some people really like them and some people don't. I think the unpopular take is that Plat Secret looks really good, but I'm actually very excited for Plat Secret. And uh, so, I I saw the creator openings, and I think that the Platinum Secret Rare looks amazing. I thought that it was going to look fine-ish, maybe okay even, but I think it is the surprise standout of the set. The Platinum Secret Rare, like like individual rarities look better or worse fine like the quarter centuries all look fine they're quarter centuries whatever they're basically starlights you know the ultis i don't think look that good the collectors obviously look amazing but the platinums nobody was expecting those to actually be appealing those look amazing i personally i love that because the old platinum secrets which we, i talked about with uh, with jaffet on the last episode so this is a bit of a rehash but the old plat secrets we only had i think two of them ever it was like odd eyes right. uh pendulum dragon and um bujinte susanoa um no that's wrong bujinte susanoa definitely has one bujinte susanoa as well as um fire fist tiger king oh brotherhood king. Of the, brotherhood of the fire fist tiger king yes that probably does have one maybe there are a few more I'd have there might be track. three because i remember there yeah. being an odd eyes pendulum dragon one yeah. but i think there's anyway. there might be three of them those cards were like starlight ish like the very full card foil but it was like silver and it's not like the right same pattern but it's like the full card foil i was expecting right. that's what i was expecting what i got was that style of foiling but only on like the border of the artwork and some of the foiling and then the border of the effect text. I don't think we've had a lot to play with the border of like the effect text yet. And that I think is really cool and interesting to see. So, yeah, I, I think it, I think they really did that rarity. Well, I, I, I said it a second ago, but like, I'll say it again. Like they really knocked it out the park with that. And one. from what I've seen, I haven't seen them in person yet. But from what I've seen, they really did a good job. And I am mainly excited that I can now buy six more different printings of Fossil Dig. Thank you, Konami, for <laughs> allowing me to be a deranged dinosaur collector. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, now that we're 20 minutes in, you want to start the episode? I do, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, 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 are, we have now caught up on, on everything, so now you may have yeah. actual content to, to take us... Uh, oh, I guess, I, guess it, I, I guess actually I'm the one that's supposed to be asking you questions for this. Yeah, I can intro the concept and then I can lead you in. So, mm-hmm. essentially, uh, I had a content idea because I have those again now, now that I'm recharged. I actually have content <laughs> again, ideas again. Um, so... Uh, I was going through Twitter and I saw somebody asked a ruling question on Twitter and it kind of inspired me to say, hey, let's make a post here on Twitter and on our Discord server. If you were actually following us on Twitter and Discord, haha, you would know about this, that this happened and you could have asked a question, but you're not. So you didn't. But if you are following us and you did see that, then I asked on Twitter. I said, actually, hold on. Let me go look at it. Uh, Let me see the exact thing that I said. Uh, Hey all, we want to ask your uh, we want you to ask us your ruling questions to be answered on Tuesday's episode. Bonus points if the rulings are meta relevant. We will try to answer both answer your question as well as try to explain why it works the way it does. So I posted this to Twitter and Discord. You gave us your and your questions, and Skyhawk's gonna read them to me. I'm gonna try to answer them to the best of my ability. I'm gonna get it wrong and then Skyhawk's gonna correct me and tell me the way it actually works. So Sonny is not giving Sonny is not giving himself enough credit here. Man is a judge. He's got he's got chops, but there might be a few things that I might know that he doesn't. Uh, and there are going to be I'm technically a judge that has judged and, uh, full, things as high as regional. Exactly, and there are, full disclosure, like I have been a head judge for uh, for multiple regionals in Edmonton, and uh, there are things I do not know. Uh, I'm I'm always still learning about the game and and the rulings, and there are things that I still have to memorize that I should have memorized. Um, a judge mentor of mine there's like these really cool flashcards that that help with uh, being able to pull up conjunctions if you just lose your brain for a second or a specific problem solving card text stuff uh, so th- like every judge uses every resource available to them so I had to do some research for a few of these because <laughs> the okay quit Hunter Kruger affecting us yeah, what, yeah, what you got you're Dunning Kruger that's I I'm going to pull the Inigo Montoya. You keep using this word. I do not think it means what you think it means. No, Dunning-Kruger is like the... So it's the curve where it, like uh, somebody that doesn't actually know a lot thinks they know a lot. And then once you get to the backside of the curve and realize that you don't know a lot, then you actually start to like climb steadily up. And oh, okay, you're you like on it. the backside and you're like, Sorry. actually, I don't know anything, but it's actually, you know, a lot more than someone my, who thinks they know a lot. My dad is a big fan of saying that there are people who are living examples of the Dunning-Kruger effect. And usually it's on the other side of that scale. So I never think about the other side. <laughs> I never yeah, there's think another about side of it. I never, I never think like, about you the... Think you don't know anything, but you actually know a lot. I never, I never think about the other side of that equation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. That's fair. All right. So okay. So lead us in with the most deranged one first, and I'll try to figure it out. We're doing the we're doing the crazy one first. Do you, are you yes, sure we're you gonna do, do the this? deranged one first so that I can figure this out because this I really want to figure this out. Okay. So uh, we're we're starting out uh, extremely unfair. Uh, this is from uh, Cursed Eyes. Yeah, you know what? I changed my mind. Do it last. I can't. <laughs> okay. Well, you got to warm up first. You got to get the... Do yeah, have... warm me up. I will say, uh, keep listening. We have an absolutely ridiculous ruling question from Cursed Eyes, the Super Quant Master. Uh, so yeah. <laughs> be guess ready. What? It's all Super Quant rulings, and I've never read more than one Super Quant card in my life. And I guess you can guess... I'm sure you can guess which one Super Quant card I've read, huh? Uh, that would be uh, Red Lair. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> I love monarchs uh, <laughs> or assault. Really? Because I love Infernoble. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, okay, so the first one, uh, I'm going to read this exactly as it's worded, just because it's worded like uh, like a, a Quora, like the Google auto-suggests uh, sure. <laughs> sentence. Rescue-ace impulse can negate pep, even if you have lower life points? Question mark. I love Yu-Gi-Oh players. Yeah. What do you... Um, to the person on our Discord server that asked this, I really do appreciate that. Let me read it. It's rescue-ace impulse. <laughs> All right, during your main phase, you can choose... Uh, one effect monster your opponent controls with the highest attack your choice of tide a neither player can activate that monster's effects on the field this turn when your opponent activates a monster effect on the field quick if I can you this card from your hand face a field special one rescue monster from your deck okay and it's like again punisher says while your life points are less than or equal to your opponents this synchro summon card is not affected by your opponent's activated effects once per turn you can pay a thousand and target one monster your you control and one card your opponent okay I don't think that one's the, re the relevant one okay so the question is, does Rescue Ace Impulse negate Psychic and Punisher? Is that yeah, right? Yes. Is that the question? That is that is the question. If you have if you have a lower life. Okay. I'm gonna say yes, it can negate, and I'll tell you why I say that. Okay, I'm listening. I don't think that this effect of impulse is actually a um, is actually an activated effect. So it has a condition, which is like during your main phase, but it doesn't have a, a semicolon, which means I don't think it actually activates because there's no. I mean, I guess, I guess just because there's wait, does the full colon mean that it has that it activates? Oh God! Here we are. We've we've made it. Okay, we are doing rulings. Are you? Let so me read your... again. When yeah, your life yeah. points are less than or equal to your opponents, synchro summon card is unaffected by your opponent's <laughs> activated effects. This is so funny. Already knowing the answer to this, <laughs> I can completely understand why you are going where you're going. But you are missing. I will say you are missing something very important. Uh, uh, read read impulses effect again. I can give you I can give you a hint, if 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 you if you would like, to uh, to be working this out. Which impulse effect are we talking about? We are here? we are talking about we are talking about the first effective impulse. To negate, okay. So we're assuming that you have less life points or the person with Psychic and Punisher has less than or equal to life points. <laughs> Dad, listen, I, I put a hint on the table. Okay, I'm saying that this is a continuous effect. So once it's resolved, it'll apply. That's what I'm going to say. So I do think Punisher gets negated. I just think that I have the reason why wrong, but intuitively I would say it doesn't negate, which means I'm going to say it does. So, okay. You are, you have your assessment of your answer. Correct. You are correct. Uh, well, actually you're technically you're wrong about both, uh, but you're still correct about the first part. Let me explain. This is kind of a wonky one. So the, okay. you had, you are right, but you got the reason wrong, but also there's a technicality here that is being missed. So, Rescue A's Impulse does not negate the effects of Psychic and Punisher. It prevents them from being activated. 
Okay. So the other the other part of this is that this is an effect. This does not affect the monster. This effect affects both players. This prevents the players from activating the effect of that monster. So psychic and Punisher being unaffected ah, does not okay. interact with punisher this doesn't interact with punisher being unaffected uh this is part of the reason that rescue ace is a very good pearly matchup uh, or at least it has a playable pearly matchup is because this card is a way to out noir you just go impulse declare noir and noir can no longer activate its effects got it um so it, yeah in this case uh rescue ace impulse so the the question in essence is flawed Rescue Ace Impulse does not negate the effects of Psychic and Punisher. It prevents your opponent from activating them. Right, but, but it prevents your opponent not... But, it prevents your opponent from activating them. Well, it doesn't prevent Punisher from activating itself. Mainly it says neither player can activate Monster's effects, and that's that's kind of why it, it, it works the way that it does, is that it is not affecting the monster, it's affecting okay. the player. I'll accept that. So it can't be activated because it affects the player, not the card. That actually, I'm fine with that. That makes sense. I thought in my head maybe it's because it affects the player, because that's another reason that a thing like this can happen. Mm -hmm. But I was like, eh, it doesn't really read like evenly, but that makes sense, actually. It says neither player can activate. I'm, I'm fine with that. Yeah, well, so the difference is like, so infinite impermanence, negate its effects. Versus this card text is neither player or it could be your opponent cannot activate the effects of cards with that name. Yeah, of, okay. of that card's effects. So if it's if it specifies your opponent rather than specifying it or the card, then it usually it applies sure. to the player. I'm fine with that. That's uh. Now, what, what do we got? Okay, so next up, uh, to scroll a little bit. So I'm not actually going to ask you this because it is too vague and it entirely depends on the field spell being activated. Uh, Jarrett sure. says, and this is, can you ash a field spell that searches a card even if there are no targets for the search in the deck? Uh, it would be illegal. Uh, well, okay, wait, can I, can I say something here? Okay, yeah. I don't think that, so you can activate the field spell, but I don't think you can activate the effect to search in the first place if it's known that there are no targets in deck to search. Correct. So and it would be an illegal activation of that effect of the field spell like you can you can place the field spell in the field spell zone but the car the field spell effect to search cannot be activated if there is if it is known that there's no targets in deck so in the instance that your opponent says i want to activate this field spell and then you say okay i'm going to ash the effect to search and your opponent goes oh i like i they're looking through their deck and they're like they immediately grab the deck and they start looking you're like i'm gonna ash that and they're like oh okay and they're like oh well, i didn't have any targets anyway it's like okay well that's an illegal activation and you can't activate it anyway yep so in that case what happens there would likely be so uh, oh i do before we get into that i do want to bring up one other thing is that what you said is not always true there are some field spells that cannot be activated at all unless you are activating the search effect on activation uh this happened in zodiac format with set rotation giving their opponents i think it's a uh, gateway to chaos uh because okay, if you yeah. can't if you can't search a gaia card you can't activate it sure. uh so that comes up but to the greater point uh if you're at an event and that happens the way that I used to think this of this wrong before I started learning about being a judge, I used to think that you were like forced into like crappy activations. What happens if you, especially with the search effect, if you activate the search effect on activation, say Ash, and you find out there's no target, you go back to the last legal game state before the illegal action occurred. So Ash Blossom yeah. goes back to the hand, as does the field spell. Um, 
if it was on activation that you were activating the search effect. Other, if not, it yeah. would stay on the field. You would just go back to before the effect was activated. Notably, in a situation like this, a judge might do a quick investigation to figure out if it was intentional. Uh, opponents right. who are trying that was to, my first thought as well. Yeah. Opponents who are trying to cheat could, in theory, activate it to try to fish for an ash blossom. Say, oh, "Crap, I don't have targets," and then sequence their hand in a different way than they might otherwise do. And yes. a judge would be able to make a determination based on the game state. Uh, whether and based on a quick conversation with the players whether that was intentional or not the evidence would have to be pretty clear that that something shady was going on for it to be anything other than uh anything other than a warning but you would receive a warning for an illegal activation and then if that were to happen again it would it could get upgraded to a game loss but uh yeah so that's uh so i think the that question is is a thing to to keep yeah. in mind but uh if you're going to ask these questions to a judge, you need to be more specific. Uh, yeah. State state the exact cards because it's not always black and white like with Gateway to Chaos. Whether like yeah. the, is the activation of the field spell illegal or is it the activation of the search effect? Um, I'll touch on this. Why do cards like there can be only one prevent players from special summoning different types even though a monster with a different type has left the field for the summon? Uh, okay, this go for it. Because Konami said so literally true uh this is one of the few times that there's been an actual document <laughs> one of yep. them because Konami said so this is why these cards should be banned tikaboo and and uh rivalry of warlords and Ghostmatch should all be banned for that exact reason continue what do we got next correct uh this one is from the havre scrap man i should really be saying who they're from uh if you activate nibiru chain link one and a labyrinth furniture card uh, again please be specific but in this case let's say uh Stoke i'm gonna Torby. use chandra glare because that's the one i have oh, up. chandra yeah chandra glare will work discarding nibiru for cost as chain link two does nibiru still try to resolve as much as possible like the orcus nightmare interaction so wait give me a can you give me a chain uh chain link one nibiru chain link two uh chandra Liger sending nibiru it's not Chandra Liger. Or, it's Chandra Glare. Or Chandra Glare. Whoops. Don't. I want. I don't know why Ooh. I want to say Liger. <laughs> I no. The furniture names jumble me up. I know that it's Stove, Chandelier, and the Clock. <laughs> That's what yeah. I got in my brain. Stovey, Torby, Chandra Glare, and Kuklock. All right. So Chainlink One, Nibiru, Chainlink Two, Chandra Glare, Chainlink Three. What? Uh, Chainlink Three. Nothing. Okay. Cool. Uh, so the way this is going to work is I activate Nibiru on my opponent's turn, trying to uh, clear their field and do the other thing. They, they have no response. Chainlink 2, I activate Chandra Glear, sending Chandra Glear and the Nibiru that I've already activated in my hand. Correct. So how's it going to work? Is this going to resolve backwards? Chandra Glear is going to set a Labyrinth spell track from the hand or deck. And then... Chainlink 1 will resolve. Nibiru will tribute all the monsters on the field. And then the token will summon to the opponent's field. And the, the Nibiru will stay in the graveyard. Because Nibiru will try to resolve as much as possible. That's correct. Now, for bonus points, do you know why Nibiru will try to resolve as much as possible? I accidentally exited out of the Nibiru tab. Give me a second to pull it back up. Because it's, <laughs> it's, a, it's a conjunction thing. Conjunction, junction. So uh, you can tribute function? as many face-up monsters on the field as possible. And if you do special summon this card from your hand. So, and if you do, according to the uh, rulings doc of on the Yu-Gi-Oh blog.konami.com. Uh, so it, they happen at the same time. So... A is required for B, but not vice versa. So basically, A will happen always 
if A does, then B will attempt to happen. So Nibiru will always tribute and it'll attempt to summon. But because it has a summon from hand, it can't summon. So A happens and B tries to happen. But if B can't happen, A still happens. But if A can't happen, then Nibiru... So if no monsters get tributed, then Nibiru will not try to summon. Does that make sense? Yep, you've got it exactly. Uh, I am going to link the conjunctions um, document in. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna link the the blog post in the description of this video. Uh, if you are looking to you. level yeah. up your Yu-Gi-Oh ruling knowledge, it is hugely uh, beneficial. Specifically, it's, like it's so confusing. You just have to memorize it. Yep. It's so confusing. Conjunctions and PCST like symbols and 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 effect text they're the number they're the biggest things you can they, learn, they yeah. will get you through 95 percent of interactions and then the other five percent sure. are where we get into wild stuff that these people have sent us yeah um, so next up uh we're going to i just i gotta move my way down the the lists uh okay so this one is is a little bit less specific but i'm going to uh run it uh, so one thing I've seen go both ways, Little Knight's second effect versus Rabina or Eglin, does the bird come back? So this is, uh, I guess, suppose this would be uh, activating uh, SP Little Knight's effect, targeting itself and, say, Fluandri's uh, Rabina, uh, Fluandri's and Rabina, rather. Uh, and then on resolution, uh, can you activate the uh, the bird, the uh, Fluandri's bird, to uh, add itself back to the hand? Okay, so uh, I'm guessing normal summon Fluandries and Rabina, activate effect, chain link one, SP Little Knight, chain to banish both until the end phase, chain link two. Also, it wouldn't necessarily be chain link two. We are only, all we are doing is activating SP Little Knight's effect, targeting a Rabina on the field and itself. That effect successfully resolves. Can Rabina activate to add itself back to the hand on resolution? Yeah, I don't see why I wouldn't. The card left the field. It got banished. And then... Uh... Wait. So... What effect? Because Rabina banishes itself anyway. So... The... <laughs> <laughs> this is a fun one. I'm gonna pull. The no, text. it's it's gotta be normal I'm Rabina. Gonna... Activate SP, and then once Rabina has been banished, can it activate on its own normal summon? That's gotta be the question here, right? No. So the no the question is the SP Little Knight banish. It's not whether the Rabina can activate on the field. It's whether the the Rabina can activate the uh, effect of uh, when it's when it's when it is banished, right? So yeah, when if, if a winged beast or normal summon monster is is normal summoned to your field while this card so, is banished, so, add this card to your hand. So, Thuanderes is and Rabina is if this face up card would leave the field, banish it instead. Right, but SP Little Knight banishes it anyway. Okay. Uh, I am going to look up something specific because I need to double check, but I think the answer is that it doesn't. Uh, but I need. How to, would it not get banished? Both I effects say to banish the card. The explanation of this is extremely silly, so There's I am no going way to. way this card doesn't get banished right here. I am. Nothing going says to, otherwise than banish it. Banish it. I said banish the card. 
There's no way. <laughs> uh, Hold on. So I'm pulling this up. Oh, so the question is the question. Yeah, the question is can does the can the um, can the Rabina come back? There has been. What do you mean, can the Rabina? So there come has back? been so there has been some debate about this. So this is this is the actual question that the person is asking. I, I wanted to make sure that I got this right for the people at home. So the actual question is they they worded this a little badly. I activate SP Little Knight banishing Rabina. They both get banished. During the end phase, do they both return to the field? Hmm. <laughs> Sorry, I I had to think better about what this person was actually asking. But this this question is fascinating. Yeah, I don't see why I wouldn't. Okay, you are incorrect. Uh, why wouldn't it? So Rabina is funny because even though it is going to be banished by the effect of SP, it actually banishes itself by its own unclassified effect. So the first line of text is, if this face-up card would leave the field, banish it instead. So because okay. the SP targets the Rabina, uh, Rabina, in the middle of resolving the effect, because it's, un and again, it's an unclassified effect that doesn't activate, Rabina banishes itself instead of being banished by the SP. <laughs> so then in the end phase, only the SP returns to the field. <laughs> this is an evil question. <laughs> it's a very evil... <laughs> I, 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 if you don't believe me, I will send you a source. <laughs> That doesn't make sense, though. Uh, no, uh, unfortunately, this is how it works. Because the Rabina's effect applies before the SP's effect does. It's so stupid. It's dumb. <laughs> Continue. Welcome to hell. Uh, okay, I have a rapid-fire yeah, rapid series of questions from Benji regarding sure. Diabellstar the Black Witch. Does okay, Diabell I haven't pulled up. Go. Does Diabellstar activate to summon, and how can you tell? No, it does not appear to summon because it says you can special summon this card from your hand. From your hand is in parentheses, meaning that it is a summon that does not start a chain. It doesn't activate. Yeah, well, more accurately, there's no colon. Uh, there's no colon. So also, yes, there's no colon yeah. or semicolon, yes. Not an activated effect. Can but you... also, you can always tell if a summon does not start a chain because it'll always say from your hand or from your graveyard. Uh, another card you can look at as an example of this is Cyber Dragon or um, the incredible ecclesia the virtuous it doesn't start a chain because it says from your hand in parentheses okay. you can always tell uh other question can you attempt to summon diabell star under shifter yeah yeah you can uh... do you need me to explain why i believe that yeah, go for it. I'm just going to make sure I get yeah, the Yeah, so you right. can just normal summon it. So you can attempt to summon it under shift. Yeah. Um, True. <laughs> that, is, that is correct. You can do uh, that. But if you, want a, if you want a reason that you can special summon it through its first effect, it's because you don't send from hand or field to the graveyard as cost. You just do it. And so uh, because it's not cost, you can still perform the action. So you are incorrect. Uh, this is so actually you can't do it if it was an activated effect where it was like, like it descend for like effect then you could because okay. the problem is here 
because it cannot it actually can't meet the condition for its summon uh think sure. of this as the same thing okay. uh, so like valor even though it's not a cost you still can't meet the condition of a card cannot go to the graveyard so you cannot legally summon it okay that makes sense yep. when you say it like that that makes sense yeah uh so three can, but also you can just normal summon it yeah can diabell star trigger dangers and or uh or uh tier limit graveyard effects i'll say again i'll say yes because um it's no you can't actually you can't actually i take it back you can't because of the same reason that you just said because it's not you're doing it to fulfill a condition even though it's not a cost right uh it's a little more specific so this is maybe this question is maybe unfair you are right for both but the specific reasons uh diabell star sends so you can't trigger the dangers they require the dangers are required to be discarded required uh, discard for tier limits they are specifically required to be sent by a card effect and this is not a and card this is not if it's not, it's not a card effect it's an unclassified uh summoning condition uh okay so sure. yeah doesn't trigger the tears does however trigger the Ishizu cards because cards that just have to be sent to the graveyard will trigger off of this but if uh if they have to be uh sent by a card effect they will not be activate through dbl star sure Four, can you attempt to summon Diabell Star into a main monster zone if all five main monster zones are occupied? I'm going to say no. For the same reason that Tikaboo and uh, uh, Rivalry and Gozen don't work because you cannot attempt to do something if it would not be a legal move before you do it. So I actually need to double check this. Uh, I was trying to get like an exact source. I think you can, uh, because uh, the only card that I could think of off the top of my head that has a similar effect is Grapha. Uh, if I was to activate Grapha in Graveyard to return a Dark World while I control five monsters, that's a legal activation. So I have to think that if you are send if you are removing a card is from the Grapha, field, is Grapha an activated effect? It is not. It's a summoning condition. Mm. So if you can with Grapha, then you can here. But I would say. If I was giving the ruling, I would yeah. say no because of rivalry. I, I, this is full disclosure. I actually do not know the answer to this. So if I am wrong, correct me. I'd Grapha might not be a good comparison, but that was the only thing I could think of in the two minutes before the podcast <laughs> started. So we will, if, if I if I get the right answer for that before I'm finished editing, I'll put it up here. And we can say Skyhawk is a dummy or, or Skyhawk got it. Uh, yeah. We'll keep moving. Uh, Mirren, I'm sorry, but for time reasons, we are not doing the Ice Jade question because I do want to get to the, uh, <laughs> I do want to get to the funny one. Um, okay. Benji also has another good one that uh, I want to talk about. So there's some faster ones at the bottom. I, it's not that nothing against Benji, but I want to hit the fast ones at the bottom because those feel like a question that somebody that needs answers ask, not somebody that just wanted to give us hard questions. True. Uh, I, yeah, I, I talked to Benji full disclosure before this and he purposefully just gave us really good questions. Okay. Uh, do we want to start with the, all Herald, the, of the Herald of the Abyss question or just all the way at the bottom? Uh, all the way at the very bottom, the very last. Mine are more general My Lord questions. of Fancy. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Oh, this is good. This is like uh, like game kind of like stuff. Yeah, so I would yeah. consider this not um, like rulings, docs, rulings, but like tournament policy questions. Yeah. Can you use your which are just as much rulings questions as anything else? Yeah. Can you use your badly damaged sleeves on tokens? I have a bunch I still love, but can't use anymore. I would say yes because they're tokens and they're it's game materials not actually like they don't get shuffled into the deck or anything like that they're they can't be they a token can never be a piece of unknown like unknown knowledge they're always known 
So like if a, if a token can't be banished face down, it can't go into your hand, it can't go into your deck because it's never yeah. an unknown, it's fine. I'd say it should be fine. Just make sure that if it's in your deck box, it's not near, like make sure maybe have some token cards in between it and your other cards. You just don't want the damage sleeve. To make sure it's with. in a different sleeve from yeah. your deck. Make, yeah, make sure it's different and make sure it's not like in a position where it could damage the other sleeves. Uh, so that would be, I guess if it's in bad enough condition that like it rubbing against the sleeve is going to cause some problems, then don't. But otherwise, keep it se separate from everything else and it should be fine. But keep it in your deck yeah. box because you can't have it anywhere else. Two, do you have to take notes in a regional? I haven't started practicing notes in my locals and I honestly don't even know how it looks. No, you don't. You don't have to, you don't have to take notes in any capacity at any point. Nope. Uh, just keep track of life. That's all you have to do. Yep. I will it is say. both players' responsibility to maintain game state. Yep, you do not have to take notes if you don't want to, uh, but importantly, if you are doing life, always, always, always track it on paper. If one of you is using yes. Neuron and one of you is using paper and there's a dispute, paper always takes precedence. Uh, neuron is considered the same thing as paper. Did they change that? Is Neuron the same thing as paper? As far as I know, it is, because Neuron is an official app, but if you have like a, like a TI-84 calculator, the person that has paper wins, or even a calculator on your phone... The person with paper yeah. wins. I think Neuron is the only technological form that's considered the same as paper because there's a way that you can go in and track, track via the, Neuron changes. The, the changes. Yeah. I will have to update myself on that because I I was under the assumption it was just paper. Sunny, Don't Sunny. take my word for that. Always use pen and paper. That is the god tier. It can never be disputed. Pen and paper is True. guaranteed. So yep. always use that. Yep. I could be wrong about Neuron. We know that you can always use paper, and paper wins over most calculators. Yeah. So, Do you have to announce how many cards you have sided going into game two and game three? No, you do not. In fact, you can take your entire side deck, shuffle it into your main deck, pull 15 cards out, and go. It doesn't matter. Yeah. You do not have to tell your opponent. You don't even have to know how many you sided yourself. Just as long as you have 15 in your side deck at the end, and you had 15 at the beginning, it doesn't matter. Yep, and so long as you're doing it in the allotted time, which is uh, three minutes. Yeah, uh, but try to do it in like under to, one or one and a definitely, half. Have, definitely understand your siding patterns in advance. Yep. Is there a correct way to announce that you are summoning a kaiju? I feel like there are ways people do it in such a way that makes the opponent think they can respond and there's a bunch of unneeded confusion. Yeah, here's a kaiju, idiot. No, um, no, you literally just say, I'm tributing your monster for this kaiju and just hand them the kaiju and put the kaiju in the zone that you want it in. Yep. But as a general rule of thumb, there's no really like correct way. You can just say, I'm tributing X monster to summon this kaiju. And I would like it in X zone, and you tell them what zone you want in, because you decide the zone as the player summoning the kaiju. Yeah, if you have if you have priority as the player, just summon the monster. On resolution, yeah, on resolution of a chain, uh, you you could do something like anything on resolution, but my advice would be just to wait five or six seconds, see if your opponent has any type of response or anything they'd like to activate on resolution of a chain. If they don't, just put the kaiju on the board and say I'm tributing this monster. That would be the best yeah, way to do it. At the end of a chain, Give, I always like to say, all right, do you have anything in res? Yeah. That, you can ask yeah, anything on res or wait X sure. amount of time. Depends on how you want to go about it. Personally, I would communicate. And generally, it's better to, but there may be reasons not to. Not policy. It's uh, best practices. Yep. Continue. Lastly, I know that lying is illegal and bluffing isn't, but how far can you take bluffing? Can you almost taunt? Like, even if you don't have interaction, start reading all your opponent's cards after the fifth summon and acting like you might have something. This is complicated, um, specifically okay. because it depends on the situation. <laughs> you, um, if you say continually, how many summons is that? How many summons is that? How many summons is that? And your opponent gets five summons and you say, oh, that's five summons, huh? 
and then you start getting like really egregious with it, they can actually call you and a judge can give you an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty if you do not actually have any interactions in your hand. That is a thing that can happen. I will say that this to me is kind of a case by case basis. If you're egregiously being a jerk about it, you, there's a good chance that an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty, yeah. especially if you do not have any interaction. I would say there's a legitimate chance of an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty if you're being a jerk, regardless of whether or not you have interaction. But I would not, I would personally, um, in this situation, if I don't have any interaction, I'm bluffing in a way, I will bluff my opponent, but not like that. What I would do is, if I have no interaction, I never am going to just like set my hand down on the table and just go, yeah, go off. I don't have anything. I'll never do that. I'll just, I'll be hand shuffling. I'll make sure to ask interactive questions about my opponent as they're doing their combo. So for example, let's say my, I'm playing against a sword soul player and it's game one. They don't know what I'm playing. I don't, you know, I don't have any interaction in my hand though. They'll say normal summon Mogi activate effect. I'll say, okay, sure. Let me see your reveal. They'll reveal. I say, okay, I have nothing in response. They say, okay, they go ahead. They say, okay, uh, I'm going to go ahead. I'm synchro summoning sword summon sword souls. Grandmaster Chishao, Chishao 1, Moe 2. Any response? I look at my hand. I go, uh, yeah, no response at this particular point. And then they'll say, okay, they'll do, they'll resolve the chain. Nothing in res. Yep, nothing in res. And then they'll keep playing. I'll kind of put, it's fine. You play at this pace. That right there, that's a good pace to play the game at, especially when you already know the intricacies of all the cards. You already kind of generally know what the deck they're playing, how the deck works. You let them play at this pace but you also make sure that they're checking with you for responses and that you're checking with them that chain links are being resolved properly and that things are happening properly. Basically, you are maintaining game state as a player should. And that right there is enough in a lot of situations for you're not being malicious, you're not being a jerk, you're not doing anything that would slow down the game state or slow down the game. You're not doing anything egregious. You are simply maintaining game state as is expected of you. And in my opinion, that right there is as far as bluffing needs to go. Because if I'm playing like that and my opponent is maintaining their engagement the entire time, I have no reason to try to go off King, you know, like because they have there's an expectation here of oh they are paying attention they could have interaction right. so i think in that's kind of a scenario like you just maintain an interest in the game state even if you don't have interaction and that puts opponents on edge and makes them cautious my so just you know don't yeah. don't check out and i think that's the best thing you can do my very minor uh my minor addition to this is uh specifically you mentioned like reading all of your opponent's cards very very easy for that to devolve into slow play uh, sure yeah any, absolutely any, any, but any, like don't do it any... if your opponent says i activate infinite impermanence yeah obviously you know what that does right but like yeah if if like reading something for the first time is fine as soon as like legitimately as a judge as soon as you are reading something for the second time in a situation where you don't have any interaction uh, you are slow playing and you will receive a penalty for it yeah um, so don't 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 do that as an attempt to bluff nabiru uh do that if you actually need to read a card and if yeah. a judge is watching the match for even just a minute it will be very clear the purpose of what you are doing <laughs> and you are yeah, not sure and if you are if there is a good judge in the room you are not going to get away with it so don't yeah uh so because of time we're going to just we're going to move on to the last question 
<laughs> which is a doozy. So uh, we received from Cursed Eyes on Twitter this unbelievable post <laughs> that I had to take like 10 minutes to decipher and I might still have it wrong. So good luck, Sonny. Uh, are you ready for me to read you this? I have it pulled up. Okay. Go ahead. Player A controls Super Quantal Mech Beasts, Eroboros, which is the rank 4 uh, green guy, uh, Magna Liger, which is the rank 7 uh, white guy, and then, or no, Magna Liger is the rank 5 red guy, and Lusterex, which is the rank 7 uh, light guy, uh, sorry, Magna Liger is the fire, who each have on it their associated Super Quant name is material. So they each have one material, which is uh, green layer and white layer, except for the Magna Liger, which has two copies of red layer as material. Uh, and then the field spell super quantal <laughs> mech ship magna carrier is on the field and the quant player has summoned more than five times this turn so they're in nibiru range player b has a nibiru the primal being in hand a set oasis of dragon souls and a number 41 baguska the terribly tired tapir in grave player a attempts to activate the second effect of magna carrier targeting each of the three mentioned mech beasts on the field in an attempt to summon out super quantal mech king great magnus player b then chains oasis of dragon souls targeting baguska as chain link 2 player a does not respond and so player b uses nibiru as chain link 3 to tribute the field player a then responds using eroboros as chain link 4 to target magna liger and set it face down on the field how does this ridiculous chain resolve <laughs> so the questions are is magnus summoned so at chain link 1 is magnus summoned how many materials would magnus how many materials would magnus have if summoned at all what are the names of the attached materials <laughs> and would he be forced and would the magnus be forced into defense position by baguska uh so okay. I, give me all of the relevant cards as quickly as possible uh i sent them to you uh they are actually super quantal mech beast eroboros magna carrier magnus nibiru lusterex i got so i got i have Eroboros, Lusterex, Magna Liar. Yeah. So I, I, I'll give you, Magnus, I'll give you the important stuff you need to know. Uh, the, the the really the main card you cards you, cards you need to read are the second effect of the field spell, which is Magna Carrier, and then you need to read um, uh, you know what Nibiru does. Uh, Eroboros. The important part about Eroboros is that it has while it has green layer as an, as uh, um, material, it has a quick effect to book any monster. So Eroboros quick effect books the red Ixies face down at chain link four. Then at chain link three, um, Nibiru activates. Chain link two, Oasis of Dragons Dragon Souls activates to special summon Baguska. Chain link one, the field spell activates to uh, attempt to summon Magnus. Really, the main thing you need to know, it read is the second effect of the field spell. That is like the, that is the key interaction here. While Sunny is reading okay. this, uh, I will I will enlighten you as to the second effect of the field spell. While Sunny is okay. is, is reading, hold on. So I have oh, Eroboros no. on field. What else on field? So you Luster have X. Eroboros, Lusterex. So the only cards that are on the field. Just at give this me the point. full setup. I'm building it in Dueling Book. Okay. So the full setup. Uh, 
is ma is a uh, Aeroboros with a green layer under it. Uh, Lusterex with white layer under it. Okay, I don't have a green layer okay. built That's in this fine. deck. That's, That's fine. the only one I didn't put it's, in. Okay. Really, it doesn't matter. You could just remember the materials are there. Aeroboros, Lusterex, and um, uh, the fire guy, Magnaligger. Uh, and the super quantum field spell. The opponent right. has... Do, do any of the red layers matter? The the materials don't do anything. Anywhere. They don't matter. No. They, the numbers matter, but nothing else does. Okay. Because one of the questions is how many materials would Magnus have if it's summoned? Um, so, the <laughs> this is going to be a funny one. So, Lusterex has two red layers underneath it? Uh, yes. Or not Lusterex. Uh, the Magna Ligar has two red layers. Okay. So, I think I have the board set up correctly. And then... I have... Oasis yeah. of Dragon Souls and Nibiru on the opponent's side. And a Baguska in their graveyard, but yes. Aeroboros has the red layers, okay. No, not Aeroboros. Uh, Magna Liger has the red layers. Magna Liger? Magna Liger is the, uh, is the fire exes. Okay. All right. So, on, my, on the field, I have a Magna Liger with two materials. I have the field spell. I have Luster X. I have Aeroboros and Great Magnus, all four of them. Yes. Aeroboros, Magnaligar, Luster X, Field Spell is what is on your side of the field. Aeroboros, Magnaligar, <laughs> Luster X, Field Spell. So Great King Magnus is not here. Magnus is in the extra deck. He's still in the extra deck. Okay. Yeah. The Field Spell's effect is attempting to activate the effect to summon the Magnus by targeting the three Xyz monsters as Chainlink 1. Okay, player A, player B has Nibiru. Okay, and this, okay. Ooh, only... So, I'll spell out. I was a red layer. Now that okay. you got All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Give me, give me the breakdown, and then I'll give you what I player think. Player A attempts is. to activate the second effect of Magnacarry, targeting each of the three mentioned mech beasts in an attempt to summon out Great Magnus. Player B then changed Oasis Dragon Tolls, targeting Baguska. I didn't put Baguska in this scenario. Okay. Yeah, Baguska's in the graveyard, yeah. Okay. Hold on. Let me just. And the okay, opponent's Baguska. graveyard. Okay. I have Baguska pulled up. Okay. All right. <laughs> Oh my god. Her, yeah, fuck. Oh, dude. It is. Oh. <laughs> Curse eyes, why did you do this to me? Okay. Player B then chains away to Dragon Trolls, targeting Baguska. Player A does not respond, and so player B uses Nibiru's Chainlink 3 to GB the field. Player, they end, player A then responds by using Aeroboros' Chainlink 4 to target Magnolia to set it face down. Okay, so Chainlink 4 is Aeroboros. Uh, once per turn, you attach one exceeds material from this card, target one other face at once on the field, danger to face on defense position. This effect can be activated during the player's turn if it has green layers material, which it does. Okay. And so chain link three would be Nibiru. Wait, uh, Magna Liger. Um, sure. Nibiru, I know what Nibiru does. Chain link two is the Oasis of Dragon Souls. Plus, I'm in defense position, it becomes a worm. I'm in defense, okay. And chain like one is Magna Carrier. Two, it says car from the field of the field zone to the graveyard, then target three super quants. 
Different names you control, special one on Magnus from your extra deck, and if you do attach a Okay, so boom, target, 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 chain link two, Oasis, targeting Baguska, chain link three, Nibiru, chain link four, Erebors. Okay, so here's how this resolves. Chain link four is Erebors. Erebors will... Air... Oh, that's why this is stupid. Okay, all right. <laughs> you have discovered the conundrum. Yeah. Ereboros will set Magnaliger. And then Nibiru will attempt to tribute as many as field as possible. But because Magnaliger is not face up on the field, it will not get tributed. So Ereboros and Lusterex will both get tributed. So then Oasis of Dragon Souls will summon Baguska in defense position. Well, and Nibiru will get summoned with yep. 4,900 attack. Mm -hmm. And then Baguska gets summoned. On summon of Baguska, Nibiru will go to defense and get negated, I think, because the continuous effect, effect will apply immediately. If I let me read, let me read Baguska real quick. Had it. That's the one thing I do to do. I, I just assumed that I knew it, but mm -hmm. I guess I don't. I, nobody ever really knows Baguska. Yeah. Okay. So that'll take effect immediately because it's just a continuous effect on the field that's happening. So Baguska will be on the field in defense, and then uh, the last thing that will happen is Magna Carrier, and this is where it gets weird because uh, this card was sent from field to grave, and then targeted the three. Quants. Targeting was cost. And so you special summon Magnus. But then, so because, so because you target for cost. And then you resolve as much as possible. So Magnus gets summoned, but nothing gets attached because the Magna Liger's face down and it's not on field anymore, essentially. So Magnus will get summoned in defense position. So the resolving game state would be Magnus on the field in defense position with no materials. Magna Liger face down on the field with two red layers as material still, I think. Nibiru on the field in defense, N Baguska on the field in defense, and then Oasis Dragon, Soul Dragon Souls will still be on the field in the back row with Baguska. Is that correct? Did I do that correctly? I think I think you have ninety five percent of it. I think there's one. Oh. I think there's one thing that you have that you have wrong. So I think you have I think you have almost everything right. So you're correct that so close. Nibiru's. So the problem is I actually don't know if I have this right. <laughs> I could not find an answer to this online, so I'm just going off of what I think is the case. I so one thing is that um. For, for for Mech King Magnus, I believe it is not possible for Xyz materials to be face down. So I do not believe it is possible for an Xyz, for a material underneath of an Xyz monster to be face down. However, this effect that, is... It, that is it, the, the material will stay. I'm just going to let you know that now. So, so, a, a face down Xyz monster can 100% have material still. No, no, no. A face down Xyz monster can have material. I'm saying the Xyz material itself cannot be face down 
right? Xyz material is always face up and it's never face down, right? Yeah, of course. What I think happens here, the way that this effect is worded, attach the targeted monsters and their materials to it as material. So even though this no, monster, cannot, okay. even though- Oh wait, even hold on, though, wait, let me yeah, raise even, even though Even though this monster is flipped face down, that it still has been targeted by the effect of Magna Carrier. That target is not gone. So what happens here is that the materials that are underneath the Magna Carrier get attached to the Magnus, but the Magna Carrier does not because it cannot be attached face down. That is what I think. I think, I think everything else you have is correct. The Boguska does apply its effect to the Magnus because the Magnus is only going to have the two red layers. That's what I think happens here <laughs> i may be horribly wrong i think so i think you are correct um that uh the so i think you're actually down, right i i don't think the, the, the I, I think the materials move over for so because because if you look at sprint you can actually the sprint ruling establishes you can detach the materials from a face down exceeds from face down exceeds so we know that yeah. the, the we know that the materials can move but i don't believe that a xc's material can ever be face down so i, I didn't consider that you're actually correct yeah. I, I think that you're actually right so on this. so the way that i think this breaks down is exactly that except for that final step where um so the quick effect is flip face down nibiru resolves tributing everything except for the face down magna Liger. Uh, and so token is summoned oasis of dragon soul summon the baguska everything is changed to defense and then the magnus is summoned and the two materials from the set Ma magna liger are moved to it but the magna liger itself is not so the final answer my final answer i will lock in and i may be horribly wrong about this is the magnus summoned yes how many materials would magnus have two it has the two, two red, red layers what are the names of the attached materials? Super Quantum Red Layer and Super Quantum Red Layer. And would it be forced in defense position by Baguska? Yes, because Magnus at yes. um, two materials only has the quick effect to detach material. Magnus needs to have four plus materials to be unaffected by card effects, except for yes. Super Quantum cards. Not only that, even if the even if Super Quantum Met King Great Magnus had four plus materials, it would still be under the Baguska. Because the yeah. Baguska effect was applying before this hit the field. It's the same thing with Skill Drain and Geomathmic Sigma. Yes. So that is my final answer. I'm going to post that in the comments to uh, uh, the Cursed Eyes, and I will post what Cursed Eyes says in the Discord, because Sunny's original version might be correct. I think I think the tricky thing here is that the materials get attached, but I may be horribly wrong. I think the materials do get attached. So for what it's worth, <laughs> I think I technically was incorrect. Because I said everything, but I very you were darn close. Said, <laughs> you were darn. Close. I said Magna Liger is there with the materials on it, face, but it's face down. The materials are still there. But I think you're actually right. I didn't read the last line of uh, transfer of it and all of its materials. I didn't read that last part. It's, it's a lot of reading. So I I, I could be wrong. About and I was trying to keep it brief for the podcast because it's so much reading. Uh, yeah. Anyway, you uh, want to read some patron names. <laughs> <laughs> I want to go to sleep. All right. So a huge thank you to, of course, 
Always second, welcome back, April Floodgate, King of Names, Zyphorus, Big Stinky, Blue Eyes' Best Copium, Ding Dongs, Hostess of the Yang Zing, Give Me That Horussi, Konami, HGH Cyber, I used to play Rogue, but then my mom got a job, John Leo, Mountain Man, Omo Spaghetti, Owen Alvarado, Pistol Place Pendulums, Silver Hope, Tiny Earth Cat, Understanding and Reading are two different things, Virtually Savers World, Welcome Hosts to the Top Cut Podcast, Floanderies and Trouble Sunny, What Do You Call a Magic Owl, Houdini, Wind Up Carries, Infidel Maity, Aaron Garner, Alexander Chan, Asami, Ashless Chaps, Atsuyo, Simp of the Silver Castle, Oh my goodness, I hit a button and changed everything. Hold on. Okay, let me find where I was. Blackwing Silver in the Senate is the best floodgate. Box wine, uh, chubby ninja. Come on and get your game one. Dragon Maidenless Behavior. I'm about to Riga Glamour. Tribute for cost these plant nuts in your mouth. Level four fire warrior gaming. Little stinky. Llama Yama Cam Sarama Maxi Pack. Neshi Elmay Red Pinkle One for Three. Wanted. Seeker of your mum's sinful spoils. And Ca Common Caleb W. Thank you all so much for your continued support of the podcast. And of course, until next time, thank you everybody for joining us and have a great week, everyone. Thank you all for listening to uh, our podcast in this little corner of the internet. Uh, some people may describe us as a hidden gem of the seafront. Not me. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.